So as, as I thought about that, and there's some precious people, people that really add to our gathering uh, when they're not here, just like you add to the gathering, and if you're not here. But here's what I felt like just impressed in my heart, is that you know just the right people are here this morning for just the very thing that God is going to do in our midst this morning. Uh, it couldn't be better than it is. It's just the way that God intends for it to be. Ooh. I read across something in my home. I have a, a, a green chair, and my green chair is a very special place. Uh, that's where I go when I want to zone out, take those naps. And my wife says to me, Jane, many times, she said, Larry, how can you sit down and go to sleep just like that? And I, I'd like to tell her that it's just good, clean living. Uh, that, that, that's what I'd like to say. Uh, but I don't because I live with her, okay? So I, I yeah. But I, I found this little note that I had made, and I'm not sure when I made it. And I, I want you, to, if you will, bear with me. Would you just stand with me just for a moment, please? And on this note, it says this. And, and I was so blessed by what Pastor uh, brought about uh, Jesus being worthy last week and in, encouraging us uh, to worship Him and, and to throw aside uh, any, anything that would cause us to hold back from declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord and there is no other besides Him. And on this note, it says this, hype is doing and saying something for the wrong reason. And so, in church, we don't hype. But here's what it is. Worship and praise is saying and doing something because Jesus is worthy. Now, do you believe that? Then give Him praise. Hallelujah. We give you praise, Lord. You are worthy. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy. You are worthy. You're worthy, Lord. It's not hype. You're worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, you may be seated, and, and I feel more like preaching right now than, than ever. Amen. Jesus is worthy. We as humans, and you know, we're all in that boat. There's, there's not someone here that is not a human. So we're all alike in this way and that we are God's creation and we're human beings. And what we, we want to know things, and in knowing, we want to feel secure and take corrective action to protect ourselves if we feel necessary. Don't you feel that way? I, I do. I mean, I don't purposely go out and say, gosh, I really hope I run into somebody that can hurt me. I really hope that I run into somebody that will be unkind to me, say things that are unkind, but rather I want to know things so that in knowing things, I can, by God's grace, provide a certain safety for me, for my family, for those that I love. Here's a trap. And Paul wrote in Corinthians, he said this. He said, I want you not to be deceived by how the enemy works. I don't want you to be deceived in, in thinking things that uh, just aren't going to happen. And I have some good news for you, and it's stated in 2 Timothy, the third chapter, the 12th verse, 
And the Apostle Paul wrote this. He said, in fact, the truth is, beloved, it's just the way it is. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Oh, you thought it would be blessed. You thought it would be favored. Yes, that is true too. But Paul said this because there's something called, and it's not really the message this morning, but, but it is the message this morning, and that is something called the paradox of the cross. Just think about that day. Let me take just a moment and, and, and just kind of rehearse that event. Here was a man that had been beaten unmercifully. He was bleeding. His flesh was torn. His beard was torn out. He had thorns crammed in his head. And he had ultimately been nailed to an old rugged tree. We call it a cross. And they drove the spikes through him, and his wrists, and, and, and they drove them through the feet. And, and, and people looked on, and, and people walked by. And, and many of them, I'm sure, thought, what did this man do that he should be treated this severely and this harshly? What's going on? Surely anything that he had planned is now come to naught. Surely any event, anything that was going to take place that he might be in charge of no longer would happen. But in what looked like the greatest defeat in all of history, in all of mankind, was certainly the greatest victory that mankind would ever view, see, or experience. Amen. Give the Lord praise for that. That's good. He's worthy. Now, I want to say this, if I may. I've had a couple events in my life. Probably you have not have. But I thought the paradox of the cross. I feel like I'm rejected. I feel like that, that people don't like me. I feel like they're saying things unkind about me. I, things just aren't working the way. I didn't get the bonus that I thought I was going to get. I, I didn't have the favor in the lives of some people that, that I thought I might have. What's going on? The paradox of the cross. Paul said, in fact, in truth. Everyone, no exceptions. Don't care how tall you are, how short you are, how rich you are, how poor you are, how talented you're viewed as being or not. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, here's the other side of the coin. Those who do not want to know Christ Jesus. And you know there are people like that. You know them. You may be friends with some of them. You may work with some of them. But those who do not want to know Christ Jesus will be persecuted as well. The difference for them is the resource they have to deal with the challenges that they're going through. I want to ask a question as we go on, and I'd, I'd like for you to ponder this in your heart, if you would. And this question is this. Who do you credit your behavior to? Well, when it's good, it's me. When it's bad, it's you. Or it's them. But who do you credit your behavior to? Someone is responsible for your behavior. 
Mother Teresa wrote this. She said, people are often unreasonable and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of having an ulterior motive. Be kind anyway. If you're honest, people may cheat you. Be honest anyway. If you find happiness, people may be jealous. Do you know that? They don't want you to be happy. They want to be happy. But she wrote, if you find happiness, people may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today may be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give your best anyway. Now, here's the truth that Mother Teresa was alluding to, and I believe is true, and is throughout the Scriptures. Your behavior is not because of the choices of others. Your behavior is because of the choices you make. You see, if someone, if I say to Jane, Jane, I'm unhappy, it's your fault. Now there comes a greater responsibility is that she now is charged with making me happy. And that's a job. I mean, that's a job. I mean, I can get up and, and from the bedroom and walk down the hallway, and, and this is what it takes me to be happy. By the time I get to the kitchen and get a cup of coffee, it's changed completely. But it's not Jane's responsibility to make sure that I'm happy. He knows me. <laughs> This morning we want to talk about for just a few moments. The answer is yes and amen. That's the answer that we're looking for. I put this here and it means nothing, okay? It was bothering my arm. That's my watch. We've all sought after things. You have, I have, everyone that required a yes answer for them to become ours, even for a limited amount of time. It's absolutely necessary in this pursuit that the one saying yes must have the desire to say yes. Now, if I can somehow get into Jane's feelings and her emotions, and, and, and I can kind of motivate her to sing my yes as her yes, then I might get her to say yes. But there's some other parts of this whole equation in talking about behavior and who's responsible for how you act. And, and, and let me put a little comma here and, and one down here and throw this in. If we want to make an impact on this community, if we want to really touch people's lives and they be changed, and if we want to be used by the Spirit of God in order to have influence in this kingdom that we're a part of, we must hear the yes that God has said. And that's what we're talking about today. 
that in Christ Jesus, God has declared yes and amen. But he not only must have the desire, or that person must not only have the desire. If Abby gets up and says, you know, Daddy, I I really want to please Larry today. I will say, bless you. Bless you, sister. I really want to be kind to him. I really want to be a blessing to the people that gather at Living Hope. And as we play instruments and lift our hands and lift our voices, we want to motivate them, encourage them, provoke them into giving praise because Jesus is worthy. You see, it's okay to influence behavior as long as we are influencing from that position of yes and amen that God has said. You must have the desire to say yes, but you also need the authority. I've had some people that would say yes to me, yes, 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 and it made no difference at all because they had no authority to say yes to me. I'd complain to a co-worker at times, and and I would tell them, this boss is this, this boss is that. Uh, Does that uh, surprise you that I would do something like that? I've done worse. (laughs) One thing I like about our pastor is he doesn't stand up here and say, I, I, I'm the perfect one here, and, and I'm really trying to get you people to be like me. I, I've been here a little over three years, my wife and I, and we've never felt that from our pastor. I share with his daddy. His daddy and I have breakfast occasionally once a month or so if I don't forget and change and do things wrong. But it just matters how we behave. And if we want to really influence people, then let's behave just like the yes and amen says we can that we're going to talk for a few moments about today. We will get there, Lord willing. You need the desire. You need the authority. You need the ability. And you need the power. You need all of those attributes in order to accomplish What you intend when you say yes. Have you ever experienced this? And I know you have. Someone that you really love, you really care about, you really want to do good for them, and you're saying yes to them, and you're saying amen to them, let it be, yes, amen, let it be, and they totally reject you because they misunderstand. That happens, doesn't it? But if you have the desire, the authority, the ability, the power to bring the yes to pass and for it to accomplish your intended purpose on behalf of the one receiving, that's yes. Now, there is a second part that we've talked about. Yes, and then amen. Yes means nothing if you don't have amen. I mean, you can tell me that you love me, that you, that you want to take care of me, that you want to bless me, and I can say the same to you, and I can tell my wife, honey, I love you. I just want to give you anything I can give you. Yes, 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 yes. And then I turn around and walk away, and I say, don't bother me. I'm going to play golf. That's the truth, isn't it? It takes more than just saying yes. It takes the ability, the power to say, amen. And there's something about that. We'll look at that in just a moment. But there's something about that word that is just so powerful. Isaiah, if you would bring that up, please. 
the 43rd chapter, the 13th verse. For there are three attributes that someone must have if they're going to say yes, amen, it always to be just right, always to accomplish just what it should, and never able to be reversed. And you're probably getting a hint on who I'm saying can only say yes and amen. Isaiah 43, 13 says this, Yes, and from ancient of days I am He. No one can deliver out of my hand. No one can deliver out of my hand. When I act, who can reverse it? Now, that's verse 13. We don't have time today, but if you go back to the preceding verses, it will tell you that God is speaking. This is what God is saying to us. He's saying, yes, and from the ancient of days, from all eternity past to eternity future, I am He. We're never going to wake up and find that there's someone that took Jesus' place. We're never going to wake up and find that someone is more capable than Jesus Christ is. Never! <clears throat> Omnipotent, all-powerful, having no limits. Even on my best day with Jane, she knew I had limits. I wanted to do things I could not do. I promised her that when we got married, she would never be disappointed. <laughs> that doesn't work so well. <laughs> because I'm not omnipotent. Even in my love for her, I am not omnipotent. For things to be all-powerful and have no limit, I've got to have someone break into my life and change me into them. I love that song, Abby, that we sang this morning. It's Christ in us. That's the secret. We don't need more of me. We don't need more of you. We need more of Him. More of Him. Omnipotent. The first characteristic to be able to say yes and amen. Hebrews 4, the 13th verse, says this. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. I mean, just think about that. When I'm sneaking behind the door, when I'm, I'm underneath the chair, I'm, I'm behind the couch, when I'm the only one there, and I can see no one, hear no one, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare. It's naked. It is what it is, and it cannot be presented as something that it's not. It's uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. Now, here's the thing. Don't forget that this yes and amen and how powerful He is, unlimited power, we've got to give an account to Him. He loves us. He died for us. He shed His blood for us. He's given us gifts that are unimaginable, and yet we still must give an account. How we behave matters. The choices that we make matter. He determines 
all things. Omnipresent. Not only omnipotent, but omnipresent. Present everywhere at the same time. Have you ever felt like there's somebody that you just keep running into and you can't get away from them? That's not omnipresent. Now, I was sure my mother was omnipresent when I was young. (laughs) I'm sure that she had that gift. I don't think she did, but she'll tell me she's with our Lord now. But uh, I kind of thought maybe she was. Omnipresent. The third one, Psalms 147, 4 and 5. I like this. I like astrology and those things. He determines the number of the stars. And I tell you, there's a bunch of them. There's just a whole bunch of them out there. And the truth is, they're really increasing. We find them. He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord, mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. Wow. Omniscient. Now, if you have those three characteristics, you have what it takes to say yes and amen. And it always works out just that way. Now, I think the conclusion that we would all come to is based on the Word of God. To say yes and amen and guarantee it 100% of the time, and it always be right and remain forever, you have to be God. He's the only one that can do this. Why would we go to someplace else, someone else, to solve a problem that can only be solved by a God who has the absolute authority, desires, ability, and power to say yes and amen? Now, I know and I remember now that James wrote, and he said, you know, you, you ask for things and you don't get them. You pray for something and it doesn't happen. And he said, you do that because you ask to spend it on your own pleasure, depending on what translation you're reading. I, I, I cry out for things, and not because God might want them. I didn't check with him. Not because it might be good for somebody else, because I needed it to be good for me. Who's responsible for your behavior? For my behavior. Now, we humans can say yes. You, you know, I, I joked last time I spoke about that clock. I, I, I had some surgery done. I can see it's back there now, but I still can't see the numbers. We, we can say yes and amen to some things. Things like, uh, I picked out some things that I remember about me. Uh, trying out for an athletic team. I don't know how it's done today, but back in 1960, when I was in high school, you try out for the basketball team, and then they would post a sheet of paper, and they would have a list of names, and that name, someone said yes, and let it be, and if your name showed up on that list, you could try, you could be on the team or try for the team. If it wasn't, you just had to go your way. So I needed someone, Coach Hildreth was his name, I needed him to say yes and amen, Larry. A job interview or a promotion. You need someone to say yes and amen. I, was, I interviewed for a job that um, uh, 
that would take me to another place in, in the country. And, and I met with this gentleman, and, and I knew him, and he was a friend, kind of a friend. But in that interview, in that conversation, I needed a yes and amen from him if I were going to be able to take advantage of this opportunity. Starting a business. I needed people to say yes and amen. And then the most important Marrying Jane. I, I mean, I, I, I put on my best shirt, got the most expensive cologne I could find, <laughs> smeared it all over me, and showed up and looked at her and said, Jane, will you marry me? She said, yes, and amen. Because if it wasn't going to come to pass, it didn't matter what she said. I wanted to take her home with me. I wanted to spend my life with her. The ups, the downs, the ins, the outs, the good times, the bad times. But I could not begin that until she said yes and amen. Now, as important as all these things that I've just mentioned are, each one did require that yes and amen we're talking about to be a part of my life. And you have those in your life. Even though every one of those was temporary and did not come with a guarantee. Even my marriage with Jane and our love for each other, if Jesus tarries, there will become a separation for a period of time that I didn't ask for in the yes and amen when I married her. But you, beloved, this morning, I want to take just a moment on this. There's one yes and amen answer that was and is and always will be the best yes and amen answer that you can get, that you can ever have. And it comes with a guarantee from he who is omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. That guarantee is found in probably one of the most familiar passages in the Bible, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only only son, his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God was saying to you, to me, to them, yes and amen. Because he can bring it to pass. Now, there are five things in there that I, I jotted down. God loves us. He said yes and amen with his love. He said yes I love you. You don't need to change for me to love you. You don't even need to be obedient for me to love you. You don't need to do any of that stuff. I love you, not because of you, but because of God. Because God is love. He loves you. Yes. Amen. God loves you. He gave His Son. He loved the world. He gave His one and only Son. God gave what was needed 
for an absolute full expression of that love. And that was his son. His one and only son. He who is worthy of praise. He who is the one that when you stood up, you lifted your hands and, and you, you lifted your voice. And you were demonstrative in saying, Jesus, yes, amen. God gave what was needed. God provided instruction. Oh, I'm glad he didn't make it hard. I'm glad he didn't make it something that required a sacrifice from me because I don't know if I would do it. I'm glad he made it all dependent upon his love for me. He provided instruction. Whosoever believes. Well, how much do I have to believe? How much can you believe? He'll change your belief. He'll increase it. The amen will cause you to grow. But if you will receive that God loves you. And I don't mean just that there probably, as Pastor says many times, in all likelihood there's someone in this group that has not committed their life fully to Christ or to Christ. They're suffering the persecution without having the resources that's found in God and God alone. God said this. I want you to believe in Him so that you shall not perish. Now, he said yes and amen to that too. You reject him. You turn Christ away, and I love you, and I want to be nice and pleasant. I want you to love me. Say nice things about me. And if you aren't going to, don't, don't hunt me up. But God said, if you don't receive his yes and amen, you're going to perish. All those that have rejected him for other things, They've rejected his yes and his amen, and they're going to perish. He also explained the benefits. And all the benefits that God has to give us, all the gifts, all the treasures, all the rewards that he has in his heart to give us is all contingent upon we will have eternal life. Eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Yes. And amen. Hmm. Does he really feel that way about me, you might say? Oh, I know he he loves Rob, Rob. Rob. Abby, my gosh, if I had her talent, he'd love me. You know, if I'd work as hard as Heather does, he'd love me. If I would do all the things that Mark does, he'd love me. Does he really feel that way about me? That he said yes and amen, and then my name followed the yes and amen? God loves us even though he knows everything about our past. He knows everything about us, our present, our future. He knows the plans that I have in my heart. We can make plans, but without yes and amen, 
it is useless in the eternity that we are living in today. So I'm persuaded that eternal life doesn't come when I die. Eternal life is now when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior, and He forgave me my sins and cleansed me from every sin and came to live inside of me. I now have eternal life because He is eternal life. Can I really count on the love of God? Can I count on that? Ephesians, the second chapter, the fourth and fifth verse. One of my favorite books in the Bible. Now I'll say, well, what is my favorite scripture? The one that is really ministering to me right now. That's my favorite. The one that helps me out of the deep dip that I'm in. The one that is correcting the mistakes that I've made. The one is giving me a strength that I didn't know was possible. Changing my attitude. That's the favorite scripture. Because, you know, if God leaves it to me, I'll be in a mess and I'll do things. And I'll quote a scripture that has nothing to do with what I've done. Because I don't want him messing with that until I get it cleaned up. Ephesians 2, the fourth and fifth verse says this. But because of his great love. Now, that's what we talk about in John 3.16. Because of his great love for us. God, the one who's omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. That's the God we're talking about. But God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive when Christ even, alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. That's just a nice word saying, you were slinner, you wretched sinner. It is by grace you have been saved. One of the things that my little granddaughter said one time that uh, really blessed me, and I think my grandson as well, something was going on and she was saying something and she was being asked if she was going to be able to do something, if something was going to happen. And she looked up and she said, by God's grace, by God's grace. I remember a time in scriptures when they were traveling around. They were going to this particular city, and there was a church in that city. And it says that they were blessed, the travelers that had come, they were blessed, and, and, and they, were, they were taken back, and they looked at the people, and they saw the God, that God's grace was upon their lives. That's what we need when people come in here. We need for them to see that God's grace is on our lives, that we have fully embraced yes and amen. And we're willing to share it. Another thing that I love about our pastor. He's not Pastor Brian condemning Bird. He's not, that's not who he is. That's not who God is. You see, this love, is it really a yes and Amen. Now, I base this upon the Bible. They asked Billy Graham one time, why did he believe this and this and that? And he said, because the Bible says so. Well, wait a minute. What, what about this word and that word and, 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 and this thing and that thing? And why, why do you, doesn't that help? No, because the Bible says it's true, it's true. And when, when the Bible says that God says yes and amen, he said yes and amen. And when it says he loves us, he loves us. 
He's wanting to raise every one of us to a higher level that reveals more of the Christ that lives within us. Ephesians 2.10 says this. Because you see here, this kind of reveals what God has in mind when he says yes and amen. He has something in mind. Kind of what he's doing in our midst. And I want to alert that I'm not going to finish all of this uh, because I tell too many of those stories that pop in my mind. So forgive me for that. But uh, Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship. We are his masterpiece. Surely it's some galaxy somewhere that's very special that reveals the great created ability that God has. Surely it's something magnificent that he's done somewhere else. No, the, the magnificent work that he's doing is right there. It's right there. It's right there, and it's right there, and it's right here. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. You take Jesus away, and there's no magnificent workmanship. You add him, and a work begins that is magnificent. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Well, I surely thought this is all about me getting saved. And once I got saved and said, Jesus, I love you, I thought, oh, surely God is rushing around with a pen and a pad trying to get Now we can do this. Now we can do that because he's here. I, he has this ability. She has this ability. Surely the time is right because finally they said yes. No, that's not the way it is. Not with a God who is omnipotent, a God who is omnipresent, and a God who is omniscient. Some million trillion years ago, when, or a time when time was not time, because the Bible makes a statement that says when time began, so there was something before time began, and that was God. There was a work that he said, the I got something for you. You don't know it yet, and you won't know it for a million billion years, or you won't know it for a hundred years, or 500 years, or 20 years, but I've got something for you. And I'm going to take you and give you the assignment that I planned for you with my yes and amen. Now I'm going to fashion you. I think about Genesis. When God fashioned man, he he took and he fashioned man. He spoke and created other things, but he took man in his own hands, and he just kind of fashioned him. And and you know what? I like to think, here's Larry. Ah, Jane. I'm going to give him Jane. He needs Jane. He really does. You know, he'll do it without her, and he's going to do a whole lot better with her. So, yeah, I got, here's Jane. And then, Ah, I know what. I'm going to give him a little blonde-headed girl as a granddaughter. I'm going to give him a little dark-headed son as a grandson. I'm going to give him this friend. I'm going to challenge him in this area. 
I'm going to allow him to feel disappointment here. I'm even going to allow him, her to fail so that they will call out to me. God prepared in advance. One of my favorite writers, Max Licato, wrote this. He said, you might question the purpose behind this thread or that. But be assured, God has a pattern. He has a plan. He's not finished. But when he is, the lace will be beautiful. I want to read just a passage of Scripture because I'm not going to take that. I say that and I know I'll comment some, but I'm not going to preach on it, okay, Lord willing. Who did you credit your behavior to? Well, we're going to read an account of a man called Paul, the apostle. And he had gone around and started Living Hope, and he had started Impact City, and he had started Faith Life, and all these different places. They had different names then. They were different people, but it was part of the same thing. It, it wasn't a different thing. It was the same thing. And Paul was being challenged as to whether or not he believed yes and amen. So 2 Corinthians, the first chapter, 15 through 22. And he starts out, he says, because I was confident of this. Now, what he's saying he's confident of is that he's confident of their love. Now, as we get into this passage, we find that there were some people there who really weren't Paul fan. They really didn't believe that Paul was the, the guy that God had sent. He said, because I was confident of this, I planned to visit you first so that you might benefit twice. I planned to visit you on my way to Macedonia. And then to have you send me on my way to Judea. When I planned this, did I do it lightly? Or do I make my plans in a worldly manner so that in the same breath I say, yes, yes? And then no, no. See, what had happened is Paul had planned to visit the Corinthian church. And they had something kind of going on there that uh, was sin. And they not only allowed it, but they actually condoned it in some ways. And Paul wrote them a hard letter. And he said, you're accountable. Yeah, yes, God said yes and amen to you, but you're accountable. You're accountable not to live this way. And they really got upset with him. And then there were, there's another little group in the group. You know the group that's in the group? Uh, you understand? There is a group that's in a group. That's not part of the group, though they are in the group. I should not be plainer, should I? No, I won't be. But there's that part that God permits to be there because His plan is superior to their plan. You see, we, we find that behind the scenes here are people who are slandering Paul they're making accusations against him. They're saying, Paul, you say yes one time, no another. You, can't you make your mind up? Are you so fickle in all of this? If we can't trust you in the everyday decisions that you're making, how can we trust that you're really telling us what God says? 
So let's just reject him altogether, people. Paul's answer was this, 18 through 20. But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who is preached among you by me, Paul said, Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no. But in him, in Jesus, it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, and he's made a lot of them, they are yes in Christ. Those promises mean nothing to you if you aren't in Christ. But if we are in Christ, all those yeses that God says will touch our lives and change our lives and empower our lives. They are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen. And I'm really going to close with this. And Abby, if the worship team will come. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So now we see that God's amen is something I can become one with. Yes, God can say amen. But now by God's grace in Christ living in me and me living in Christ, I can say amen and it's like God is saying amen. It is through Jesus that we say amen to the promises of God. We finish our prayers by saying, through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. We've read Scripture. We will frequently conclude it by saying amen. And probably most of us know that amen means so, so let it be. But here's something else you may or may not know that's a part of this amen. And I alluded to it in the earlier part of this message. The great truth of amen is not, it is not just a formality. It's not just a ritual that we go through. It is the word that expresses our confidence that we can offer our prayers with every confidence to God and appropriate with confidence all His great promises because Jesus is the guarantee. Or as Pastor Brian would say and has, it's all about Jesus. Every week it's all about Jesus. He is the guarantee that our prayers will be heard and all the great promises are true. Abby, if you'll come, honey. 21 and 22, 1 Corinthians 1. Now it is God who makes us both, makes both us and you. It is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. Now, He anoints us the way I handled my Burberry this morning after I shaved. I put it in this hand. I'm about to reveal something about me now, okay? I put it all over me. Uh, you can get a little bit back there. I put it in this hand. I rub it all over here, okay? And then I go up and down my I smear me with that stuff. Because if there's any aroma coming off of me, I want it to be Burberry. 
If there's an aroma coming off of us as the church of Jesus Christ, it needs to be Jesus. Not us, not our gifts, not our ability, not our talents. It needs to be Jesus is the aroma. It is God who makes us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us with Jesus. And then 22 says, he set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. This thing, this word deposit is an interesting word, and someday I'll take more time, Lord willing, but it, 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 it's, it's a Greek word, and it's arobon. It's an arobon. Jesus is an arobon. The Spirit of God, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an arobon. Gifts of the Spirit that He gives for the common good of all, Paul said, is an arobon. It's a down payment. As good as it is, and if you've known Christ and you've walked with Him long, you have experienced times when it's been absolutely good. It's so good, I don't think it could get gooder. But it can. Because there is a passage in Revelation that says this. When Jesus comes back, he takes his church, whether that's pre, mid, post, pan, but he pulls us out of here. He then brings to completion that which the arrow bond was in our life. You think Jesus in you is doing something spectacular now? You just wait. You think he used people like Billy Graham or who, Joyce Myers, uh, Jensen Franklin, whoever your good person, man or woman is, that you think is mildly being used of God, Mother Teresa, any of those people, you just wait until he comes back and we are changed fully into his image. Now we can enjoy the creation that he has created for us. This plan that he planned for us a hundred million billion years ago. It's all going to come to pass. He won't forget one little item. Would you stand with us, please? God is interested in the truth in our innermost parts. He wants it to go deeper than just an emotion. He wants it to go deeper than just a conviction. Just, it wants to go deeper than just a belief system. He has given us His Spirit as an arabon, a deposit, a down payment. That word means that you, if you buy a house, you had to give an arabon. You had to give a deposit. And that deposit was the guarantee that if they really sold you the house, you'd pay the rest of the money. Well, the Holy Spirit of God, Jesus Christ Himself, is the arabon. And God is saying, I'll complete it. At the appointed time. See, we need to have more than just self-discipline. But experience a transforming life by the indwelling Spirit of God. Without whom we can do anything or nothing.
It's not that we become loving or we become holy or we become this or that. It is as He lives in us, these qualities break out. I mean, when Jesus, the anointing is being smeared on me, I can love. You let me pull back. Check on me to see if I pull back or I'm stepping forward before you're really mean to me so that I won't give the wrong answer, so that I won't display the wrong attitude, so that I won't take the wrong action. You can't trust me, but you can trust the Arabon of God, the Spirit of God, the person of Jesus Christ that lives in me and lives in you. We can trust that. And if we fail a bit, and we will, then let's not just destroy everything because of that, but let's say, let's gather around the Arabon. We have a disagreement, but let's gather around that Arabon. We have a difference of opinion, but let's gather around the Arabon and watch God do His thing. Watch Jesus shine. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, I am so thankful this morning for this opportunity for all of us to gather in this place as your people. Those that are a part of your kingdom, those that you have taken from the kingdom of darkness and and translated us into the kingdom of your precious Son. Now, by your grace, his life lives within us. His person lives within us. I pray, Lord, that if there are those here that have not made that decision to receive the Aroban from your love, the Lord Jesus Christ, your one and only Son, all you're requiring of them this morning is believe it. God says He'll take care of all the rest of it. He'll take care of your doubts. He'll take care of your disappointments. He'll take care of your failures. He'll take care of your weakness. In fact, he says that his strength is actually manifest in our weakness. Let us rush into God by his grace through Christ to be the people upon this earth that God has called us to be. This morning I... You, you look up if you would. Abby and the worship team is going to lead us. And I want you, if you would, be personal with the Arobon, the down payment that is within you, that spirit of God that lives within you, that person of Jesus Christ who is alive in you as they sing and we worship. Reach out in faith and say yes and amen to your amen, God. Yes, amen. I believe it. I receive it. I walk in it. And when I leave this place and it gets a bit more difficult, I'm still going to trust the Arabon of God that lives within me, Jesus Christ. 
His life is the down payment. It's so much more than we know. It's so much greater than we've experienced. It is certainly within His reach to enable us to live the life He's called us to live. And if we mess up, and somebody else mess up, you know how to, you know, it's an easy problem to solve. I forgive you. And they in turn say, I forgive you. Now we're back where we started, and we're going to go on again. As they lead us in worship, would you just talk to God and say thank you that you said yes, and you are the amen.